My name is Panita McBrien, and my definition of relentless is never taking no for an answer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Relentless Podcast. I'm Kyle Dubay, and I'm really happy to have our guest today, the Executive Director of the Edmonton Downtown Business Association, Panita McBrien, is joining us today. We're going to talk about her journey and how she got to her job, but we're going to talk a lot of things downtown in the Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, but also downtowns in general, maybe, and, and what needs to be done. Panita, welcome. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. It's good to see you. It's nice to, we've, we've talked quickly, but it's good to meet you face to face. Yeah, same. Panita, let's, um, let's, let's start, you know, kind of where you come from and, and a little bit about your journey, because uh, we, when we chatted the other day, I was really interested um, in something that I don't think a lot of people who know you, or I shouldn't say that know you, but even in the community, you are known. Um, in the community for your, your role and, and the things that you've done in the past. But maybe talk about kind of, you know, where you were born and, and some of the stuff that had happened to you when you were growing up. Yeah, happy to. Um, I don't talk about this a lot. Yeah, so I was born in Dawson Creek, BC, northern BC, and grew up uh, in Grand Prairie, Alberta. So I come from the north. Yeah. Um, and I come from a big family. When I was born, my we lived with my uh, two uncles and their families. There was twelve of us in one house when I was born. Wow! Um, really took full house to a whole whole <laughs> yeah. other level. Um, and uh, I actually got really sick when I was young. So I was about two and a half, and I was diagnosed with leukemia. Mm. Um, that shaped a lot of my childhood. So lots of time in and out of the BC Children's Hospital in Vancouver relied a lot on the generosity of friends and family in that area. So Vancouver has always kind of been a, another sort of home away from home for me because I spent so much time there growing up. Um, I don't know. I think that I think that shaped a whole lot of who I am, that whole journey and just sort of getting that start to life of right. like, you know, fighting from, from almost day one. Um, but then after that, I mean, I was I went into remission when I was five and I had a pretty uneventful childhood. We, uh, we moved to Grand Prairie when I was young. Uh, my family are entrepreneurs, business owners. We own furniture stores um, all over the Peace Country in BC, actually, all extended family members all over the place. Um, and I was a bit of a, I think they call them latchkey kids. My parents were always working. So a lot of times I was coming home by myself a lot of, a lot of afternoons, spending a lot of time in furniture stores growing up. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But uh, yeah, had a pretty, pretty wonderful life in Grand Prairie. A lot of people sort of jokingly ask me what it's like to grow up in Grand Prairie. And I, I loved it. It's yeah. a great community to raise a family in. Um, yeah, had a, had a great time there. Uh, but then it was time to go to university. And I was, I was 17 uh, when I was graduating and, and moved straight into downtown Edmonton from, from high school in Grand Prairie. So, so you graduated in June and in September you moved to downtown Edmonton to I, go to school. I graduated in June and I moved here in July. Wow. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I hadn't even turned 18 yet. Wow. So yeah, moved, moved here. I think I was eager. I always, there's, I don't know what it was about me. I hope my kids, nothing like this. Cause I'm sure it drove my parents nuts, but I was always, always felt this urge to be like independent and out in the world. And like, I got my first job when I was 14 and I never stopped working. Like wow. I always had a job. And for whatever reason, I was just like chomping at the bit to, yeah. to get out of my parents' house and get out of Grand Prairie. To and- make some bank. I guess, nice. yeah. I don't know. Just, I guess, just try and you know be something separate from my family and. So, uh, your your folks, I mean, to to 
to have a child that young uh, go through that, I mean, they had to be relentless in their lives. You actually said to me, you should have my parents on because their story is quite incredible as immigrants oh. and, and, and what they had to do to find their success, but also finding that success while going through what you were going through as, as a little one. Um, so who knows, maybe we will have them on one day. We can, we can get them in here. Yeah. It's an, inc it is an incredible story. Yeah. yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And then I think, you know, you had mentioned earlier about, you know, you were at sh after school at home kind of by yourself and then you're at the grocery store or sorry, not the, the, the furniture stores. So you were becoming very independent as a child, mm -hmm. which then obviously led to this independence, you know, being able to move to, from Grand Prairie, was, uh, relatively small community compared mm -hmm. to Edmonton mm -hmm. downtown. Um, what was that transition like for you getting here at 17? Were you, did you live by yourself or did you live with family? Do you have friends? I lived with a cousin. So we got, um, we got an apartment together downtown. Um, she was my first roommate. I definitely wouldn't have been able to do it without her. Right. We we're, we're thick as thieves. And how old was she? She's the exact same age. We're a month apart. Oh man. Yeah. So we were two kids in the city. A little scary, I bet. A little scary, for sure. Yeah, everything was brand new. Campus was new. Um, my first job in downtown Edmonton in what was at the time Scotia Tower. Worked at the Ticketmaster Call Center. Okay. Um, which was so funny. I feel like such a dinosaur when I tell current students about that. They're like, they're like what is it? They're like, what is that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was all brand new, and I loved it, though. Like, yeah. yeah, it had its moments. There was, I think, even, believe it or not, uh, probably more sirens downtown back then than there are today. And, you know, there was, like, a sort of maybe unsavory nightclub kind of down the street from us. Okay. And we'd hear all kinds of things happening down there. And, yeah, it was a bit of culture shock for yeah. sure, but I, I loved it. I loved taking the train to school and to yeah. work and uh, just being downtown and, yeah, in hindsight, I think obviously all of that kind of built up to where I am today. You love selling tickets over the telephone? I I <laughs> did not find my passion in that first. I job. know, but like it's so funny when you when we even talk about that, it's like, what? I don't even remember that. I remember I'm way older than you. I remember standing in line at Ticketmaster places to like whatever eight hours early to get a u2 ticket yep you know so there was that brief in between time from mm. the in-person to when we could buy them on the phone yeah. and then the and full shift all, to, yeah, online. to where yeah. it is now yeah um so you where'd you go to school grab McCune, you said no uh, you sorry u of a u of a school of business yeah. school of business got your degree yep and then what so I uh, didn't major in marketing, didn't know that it was my passion, kind of figured that out towards the end of my degree, realized I really like communications and marketing. Um, and so my first job was actually at a startup. I was like employee number one at a oh. company that was a motion graphic video production company uh, called Amplum. Pixar? Media. Oh, sorry. Oh, I wish. I know. No, I, no you we made be, like cute If that little... was the case, which I think was the 90s, you wouldn't be talking to me. You'd be so wealthy. <laughs> yeah, that would be a different trajectory I know. of life probably. I know. Uh, no, it was this, like, we made these like explainer videos for companies and organizations, like in the early days of video marketing. Yeah. And I was like literally employee number one. So doing everything from business development to project management, it was like writing scripts for these videos. Just flying. I just, loved yeah, it. just yeah. flying, right? We were just problem solving, like just like f true entrepreneur life, working from home before anyone I knew was working from home. I actually made us get an office at one point. So I was like, I need somewhere. That's when I realized I was, ne I would never be a work from home person. Right. Um, and just realized through that time that marketing was my passion. So that company was called Ample Media. They're still around today. They're, they're more of a full digital marketing company now. 
Um, from there, I went on to a company called Insight Solutions, mm -hmm. which is uh, very, uh, very well-established, well-respected uh, strategy consulting firm. At the time, we were more focused on marketing. Now they do um, more strategy, mergers and acquisitions stuff. Um, and they've been around for a long time, haven't they? Yeah, they have. I mean, they had already been, I think it was over 10 years when I worked yeah, there. So yeah. yeah, since the early 2000s, I yeah, think, maybe yeah, the late 90s. Yeah, they're a good yeah. 20, 25 years. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, learned so much there, like had such an incredible experience. Um, still have so much love and respect for everyone I worked for there and with. Um, and then uh, realized that I really wanted to work at an ad agency. Like that was like the sexy marketing thing that uh, I had my sights on. And so I went and worked at ZGM uh, Marketing Partners, Mar Modern Marketing Partners. So ZGM is, I think this is still true, like the largest independent full service uh, ad agency in Western Canada. So oh, wow. Originally, where are they based out of? Originally from Calgary. Yeah. Um, so I was like employee number eight in their Edmonton office um, when I started I love there. how you know the number. Of, I don't know. I, I don't know why I keep these things like in my it. brain. But yeah, so we were a really small team in Edmonton. They had just entered the Edmonton market. Uh, and by the time I left, uh, four years later, I think we were like 40 people in Edmonton. So it was just like a wild, mm -hmm. wild force. Why did you uh, want to go to an ad agency? Is it because you started watching Mad Men? <laughs> Good question. I mean, I wouldn't I would, rule that uh, out. I would assume that um, somebody who is, uh, and we're going to talk about it later, a huge advocate for gender equality yes. in the workplace, probably wouldn't watch Mad Men and go, that's what I want to do. Yeah, I can confirm that the real agency world of, you know, it was 2016 at the time, 2016 it's is not like that. nothing like like Mad Like Men. Mad Men of the 50s and 60s? Not even close, yeah. Pr pretty amazing show though. Like, pretty amazing, yeah. I do love that show. Yes. People ask me that all the time. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. there anything like Mad Men? Aspects of it sure. aren't off, like about how the wor work works and what creative directors are like yeah. and what clients are like. And yeah. But we I, also have to remember that that was based. I actually, I'm assuming that they, the premise of, of what they did with that show was was probably very real to what that was in the 50s and absolutely. the 60s. And if, if listeners haven't watched Mad Men, truth be told, it's not a fast moving show. No. Um, you And you got to commit to it. Yep. Right. Um, it's so good, though. It's so good. Yeah, I love that show. It's so good. So, yeah, I, I wanted to work in an ad agency because I love just, like, creative mm -hmm. storytelling and create, like, just agencies over the past 20 years, I think, have been getting more and more innovative in the ways that they tell stories, like guerrilla marketing campaigns. Like, What does that mean, guerrilla marketing? Okay, so, oh, I didn't realize we were going to do a marketing Yes, this is, this um, is, a, I love l learning about this stuff. So guerrilla marketing, when we say that, we usually mean you're not like buying advertising space and then making an ad to put in that advertising space. So it's not like, you're not like paying Facebook to show your ad or you're not paying TV network to show your ad. Okay. You've come up with a different way through unconventional channels to get your product and your message in front of people. So it's usually like right now there's actually a guerrilla marketing campaign happening for the Junos. So they okay. had these like giant uh, foam. <laughs> they don't look like foam, but these giant Juno statuettes made. They've, there's like some that are like three feet tall, some that I think are like six feet tall. And they're just like planting them all over the place. Like they started putting them on the like conveyor belt where luggage comes out at the Edmonton airport. And they're like putting them up. So the these are all place. over Edmonton. So they're all over the city right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, the Junos are coming here, I think on, okay. well, let's, because 
They've been here. By the time this episode comes yeah. out, man, weren't those winners great? I sure was. I don't know. So that's guerrilla marketing. Yes. It's just these different ideas yes. of getting stuff into people's face. It's usually way lower budget, way right. more creative. You're usually not asking permission. Sometimes you are, though. The lines have started to blur. Sometimes it's like you're booking out a park from the city and you're like doing some kind of activation in the park. But usually if you're using the term guerrilla marketing, you're doing something without permission. You're just kind of like it's a getting little risky. There. It is a little risky. Do people get arrested for it? I don't. Like, not do you, that, do you not know of any crazy stories? <laughs> not that I'm aware of. No, I don't think they usually. Usually, oh, someone's been arrested for probably not in my, not my no, career. but somewhere. Oh, for somewhere. sure, for sure. Yeah, I actually think it's a cool way to do. It is, and that's the kind of thing like I was seeing out there in the world, uh, and I was like, I just want to be a part of like really cool advertising campaigns, and I just love the idea of working with like a really creative team. And um, so when when I, again, I like to ask people questions because I am not the coldest beer in the fridge, okay? And I like to learn some things, and that's why I'm asking you marketing stuff too. We're going to talk about downtown. We're going to do that, but the marketing stuff is interesting to me. Because this is actually marketing for you can use services. It is. And yep. some people have said, what does a podcast about, like, you know, relentless is a word that we use at UCAN all the time. Mm-hmm. We have relentless youth workers. We 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 believe in the concept of being relentless, I showing up all the time. Um, when a young person isn't there, we're going and banging doors down. We, I'm relentless. Trust me, people that listen to this said, no, when I try to sell a comedy night table, our big fundraiser, I am a pain in the ass. And but guess what? It's my job, and I'm, I'm doing it for the children. Yeah. But I but that to me is being relentless. Is being a pain in the ass. Yep. Now, the marketing aspect of what we're trying to do now is we got this little docu series we're doing. We're doing the podcast all through Road Fifty Five. Rob Lawler and his crew, amazing people. So that's why I'm interested in the marketing thing more. Yeah. Right. And it's so true. Like especially nonprofits, groups that don't have like the big traditional marketing budgets you have to get so creative about mm-hmm. how you tell your story how you get out there how people find out about you right i love that i still live for that stuff and so much of my job today is still exactly that storytelling marketing right. changing perceptions i like the term storytelling mm-hmm. because essentially that's what that is what marketing that's is that's what great marketing is great right. branding and marketing is storytelling right really back to good. mad men right don yes. draper it was all about that you have to somehow connect emotionally with people and it's, it is the storytelling totally. 100%. so when i've got a whole bunch of things rattling around in my brain which is not good for anybody <laughs> um when when we we look at the marketing stuff that's happening let's say you got into marketing can we say 10 years 15 years ago 10 years ago like 12 years 12K. ago. 12K. Yeah. So, hey, I was close. Mm-hmm. I was in yeah. the middle. Yeah. So, how, other than the guerrilla marketing, what is the biggest difference now compared to 12 years ago and now? And Sorry, I'm going to add this too. When I hear of you love to be creative and all that, my simple brain goes, oh, so you're an artist. You draw things. Are you an artist? Is that a thing that you do? Or like Rob here, unreal artist. Like the way his brain works, I don't understand it, right? And that to me is that creative being. Is that who you are too? I love that you asked that because no, I'm not an artist and I never would have thought of myself as creative until I started in the industry and I started to understand that there's so many different forms of creativity. Like any of us who are like trying to solve problems every day, you're coming up with new ways of doing things. Um, 
that's all creativity. Mm -hmm. Like I think, I think we really limit ourselves if we think that being artistic in like conventional ways is what you have to be in order to be creative. I think innovation is creativity. I think, yeah, there's so much. And so I'm not like, I was always on the business side of the agency world. Like I was always in account services. So managing client relationships, managing budgets and projects, but also marketing strategy. And there's creativity and forming strategy too. Like getting really creative about how you're going to reach your audience, how you can get through what the thing is. That's the emotional connection, Mm -hmm. like all that stuff, the words we use, like all of that is creativity. Mm -hmm. How, what story can we tell? Yeah. Right. And to who and why and why do they care? And yeah. Well, this was a good talk about marketing. Yeah. I like it. I, I, I could talk about marketing all day long. Okay. I don't have that much time. <laughs> uh, and I actually think you have another meeting. Do you? I don't know. Are we, are we hanging out all after? I don't know. We got we got at least 40 more minutes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll see what we can do. So now let's talk about, so you're doing the marketing thing. Uh, you've been down, you basically moved here at 78. You've been downtown ever since you I now live just outside of the downtown. Okay. I live about a 10 minute drive from downtown. What? Two years ago? Three years ago? Two years ago, yeah. Okay. But but you spent a lot of time downtown. Yeah. You're in the marketing game. Okay. You are uh, doing all that. And then the, the Edmonton Downtown Business Association job, the executive director of that comes up. Explain, uh, like we'll talk about how you got the job in a second, but what is... The Edmonton Downtown Business Association. I'm so glad you asked that. Thank you. Uh, we are a business improvement area. So uh, every major city for their downtown and for their key main streets has something like a business improvement area. So we're a creation of the Municipal Government Act in the province of Alberta. So basically it allows businesses in a defined area to form an association. And we work very closely with the city because they're the administrative reason we're able to exist. So city council helped us create this in 1985. Mm. I say us, I was not alive at the time. Um, but we were created uh, by the businesses in the area who wanted to come together. And what we do as a business improvement area, it's a giant mandate. And it kind of, you can imagine it shifts and changes over the years based on what the district needs. Mm-hmm. So our mandate very loosely is to make downtown Edmonton a great place to do business, to visit, to live, to work. Okay. Um, that can mean a lot of different things. To a lot of different people. To a lot of different people and in a lot of different situations and economic conditions and social conditions and all that. So, um, you know, what my predecessor, Jim Taylor, was doing, you know, 15 years ago is obviously a lot different than what I'm thinking about and worrying about and planning for today. So mm-hmm. the organization kind of shifts and moves. I report to a board of directors. Our board is composed of business owners and business leaders from across downtown. Um, and we set our priorities every couple of years and just do everything we can to support our businesses downtown, try and address the challenges that are being faced. And some of that is on the groundwork. Like um, we have a litter pickup program that's a mm-hmm. partnership with Boyle Street Community Services where we employ Boyle Street clients and they they help us keep downtown clean. We run festival and festivals and events. We have a festival and event grant program so that other event organizers can help us bring people downtown. We run Downtown Dining Week, um, which is happening March 15th this year. Um, so all these different things that we do to drive vibrancy. And then obviously also a lot of time advocating to the city and the province and the federal government for all the things that we need government to do to support downtown. So you came into this role, how? 
So I went and had a baby in uh, 2019. Good so that for was. You. <laughs> So that like I, you just I, you, that you were just like one day like you know yeah, what I'm yeah, gonna have a baby. I think we're gonna do this. So okay. yeah, needed a break from my career. So. <laughs> nice. A baby um, could do that. A baby could do that. Yeah. So we uh, were very lucky. We had our little one right before all the COVID craziness. So that was what pulled me away from ZGM. It was I don't think I would have ever left. Actually, you're on mat leave. I was on mat leave. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> November 2019, my mat leave started. I had uh, a weird mat leave year, which was the very weird year of 2020. Um, and it was right in the middle of that mat leave uh, and all the COVID craziness that the EDVA needed a new executive director. And I obviously have been a part of the, the downtown community my whole adult life. I have quite a few friends who own businesses downtown. And so I had a couple of friends reach out to me that week while I was sitting at home, kind of watching all this like on Twitter and from afar and reach out and say, you should you should go get that job. And I, I don't think, I didn't really know what it was, to be right. honest. Like I wouldn't, that question you asked me, what is the, the yeah. EDBA? I would not have been able to answer that question at the time. I would have assumed we were like a downtown version of the Chamber of Commerce. Like, sure. you know, I just, I didn't really, I didn't really know. So I learned more and more about the organization. Um, and by the time they actually were accepting applicants, it was like the fall of 2020 and I, threw my hat in the ring. It was a, it was a pretty intense process. It was like probably two months long. I had to give like a whole big presentation oh, wow. to the hiring committee about what my vision would be. They for took like, it serious. They took it very seriously. Yeah. It was quite a process. Yeah. So yeah, I, I was successful though. And I started in the job December, 2020. Just in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah. No big deal. Not a big deal, right? <laughs> Downtown. Really the world was just it was just vibrant. Everyone's out hustling and bustling. That must have been such a difficult time to start a job where the mandate, for the loosely mandate, the mandate really is to rejuvenate downtown and bring life to it and vibrancy. And we're in a lockdown for how long? Exactly. How, how challenging was that? It it the last two years, two almost two and a half years, I guess, have been easily by far without a doubt the toughest years of my career mm. like uh i was just talking to my team about it they asked me like would you do this if you fully knew and understand understood what you were walking into and i think if i were to go back in time to like to 2020 knowing everything that i know now just out of pure self-preservation mm. i probably would not Mm -hmm. <laughs> done the job mm -hmm. but then at the same time when people ask me if i have any regrets i say absolutely not right um, but i think that's natural right yeah whenever, whenever it, when we look back uh, to the core of every human being there's a little selfishness in us because totally. we want to you know self-preserve we want to protect of yeah. course you would go probably not but on yeah. the flip side you've probably seen such incredible things some good stuff happening so you want to continue on yeah and the other thing i say about this job is that like the highs are so high right. and the lows are very low. So the wins that we've had, the progress we've been able to see since like, cause like you say, like I started in the darkest of right. the dark times. Right. Like it was bleak. It Not only was it December, but it was a December where no one was allowed to leave their house. Right. right. Um, even our Christmas programming, like we're like drive by things yeah. that you can watch from the cover yeah, of your exactly. car. Right. Like it was like vibrancy was off the table. Yeah. So it was, 
to look at where we were when I started and then what it feels like even today walking sure. around. Sun's shining, people are out, restaurants are full, lineups yeah. out the door. That's like, I couldn't have even dreamed of that. How many people on your team? Uh, there's only six of us. Six of you? Full-time, okay. permanent. Yeah, we yeah. flex a little bit with events. We get event staff here yeah. and there, but yeah. Um, yeah. So we did talk about this prior to actually recording, and you're okay if I, if I talk about some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, because the downtown core of Edmonton has taken a bad rap. Um, before we get into the, actually, I think the way we'll lead into the bad rap is you were down here for, I think we said, what did we say? 12 years, 15 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. 15, yeah. Okay. Um, compared to when you got here to, we'll say today, what is the biggest difference, do you think? It's a hard question to answer because COVID is this sort of like blip in this blemish. So if I think about even just from 2007 when I got here to 2019, mm -hmm. it's nothing but upward momentum and, you know, positive forward movement. Like, you know, as controversial as it was and still is, Ice District and Rogers Place is such a huge asset for our downtown, especially right. now that I talk to my colleagues across the country and across North America having a massive entertainment venue in your downtown is like the holy grail. Like yep. Calgary would kill to have. There's this. a lot of people that would disagree with you. I know. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not yeah. one of them. Yeah. I, I and I, I, I'm, I'm an Edmonton area person. Yes. Uh, but I just, the whole concept of the ice district and the new arena and all that, I just thought, of course. Yeah. Cause if you look at other major markets in North America, they are, like you said, just a massive asset, right? Yeah. Um, that being said, though, a lot of people could argue that it's it's been it had a negative effect on on some of the things that were going on downtown. Yeah, one of the challenges with building something so big um, with so much retail space, so much office space, you know, everything that they added when they developed that is that you need a certain amount of economic growth. Mm -hmm to sustain everything you already have and then also fill this new shiny thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, some faulty economic times, 2015-ish, COVID, right. <laughs> right? Like it just, you know, that growth really faltered. Um, and then COVID, you know, just the whole dynamic of how we work and where we work yep. and all those things that changed so much. That to me is so a massive part of what's happening as A hundred percent. You cannot talk about downtowns without talking about COVID today. Yeah. It is like, it has I've heard been. people say things like, and I promise we're going to get positive about downtown. Yeah, of course. Cause, cause you can't talk to me without getting I know that. And <laughs> we're going to get there. But there are people that will be like, oh, downtown's a ghost town. It's this and that. Uh, and a lot of people do. And I actually believe so much of it is because of COVID. And, and I, I still think that we are slowly coming out of COVID. I don't think we're out of COVID yet as far as, as so many of the different things in our lives. <clears throat> but I think as far as the way people work, where they work, that we're slowly. I mean, there's government people I know that still only work downtown one day a week. If that. Right? If that. So um, that's obviously made a huge difference. But there's also a huge thing around uh, safety. Mm-hmm crime, all that type of stuff. Yep. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, totally. So again, we can't have this conversation without talking about COVID. Yeah. Um, what happened was, A, we don't have enough uh, residential density in our downtown um, for what we should have for this kind of square area and the number of businesses that we're trying to you know, keep afloat. Um, so we only have about 13,000 residents downtown. And we had pre-COVID somewhere between 60 to 70,000 people who worked downtown. So we were fully reliant on that office worker population. Not fully, but obviously it was very mm -hmm. skewed. 
So what happens when you take all of those people out, you've got all this vacant space, empty sidewalks, empty spaces, and you know, it's not just COVID, but any story of a, of a place that empties out, you just invite in um, criminal activity, you invite in disorder, vandalism, all mm. of these things that happen in the void of people and activity and positive activity, right? So um, that's what happened in our downtown. And that is what happened in downtowns across the world, definitely across North America. Oh, it um, had to. It like, had I, to. Like, I don't yeah. want to, uh, I don't think we were like super unique. That's that's all. my belief, and I, you know what I say that it's not like yeah. I've done any reading on it. I'm assuming you have. I have, and right. I so I have one of my favorite parts of this job is that I'm a part of the uh, International Downtown Association. So we mm. have an industry association where I get to talk to my counterparts and peers right. from every major city all over North America, wow. plus you know some overseas. Yeah. We are all having the same conversation. Right. I talk to my peers across the country. It's like if you were listening into that conversation, you would assume we're all in the same city. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the same incidents. We're talking about the same challenges. We're talking about the same political pressures. Hello, everybody. My name is Kyle Dubay, and I'm the host of the Relentless Podcast. I'm so glad that you're listening. I'm so glad that you're going to join us. Being relentless is not easy, but being relentless can work. That was the aha moment. Then the work started. Yeah. Specifically, what I cared about was the organizations that were having an impact in the lives of youth. Everybody's welcome down yeah. here. And that's what we want at the ballpark. Inclusive. It is inclusive. For your first podcast, you really went all out. It, we're not playing here. Like we're This is what we do. This looks like... Uh, like a low rent UFC show, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Will, like you you're know like me a little the bit. Dana White of you, Ken. Uh, with the bald head, you're, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And Dana I'm, Beige. Yeah. I love talking to these folks. I love learning about them, hearing their stories, and I hope that it's going to be the same for you. So, how do we change this? Because, you know, uh, when was the last municipal election? 2021. Okay, so 2021, there was a lot of chatter, um, a lot of stuff around, you know, we need new leadership, we need this, because they have, and a big part of it was they've ruined downtown. Mm. That was a big part of it. Mm -hmm. I, I don't understand all that all the time, because one thing I'll tell you is, and I'm not trying to slam anybody who was making those comments, I didn't hear any solutions. Exactly. So for me, it's, if you want to blame somebody for doing something, if you want to blame a thing for a thing... What are your ideas or your solutions? I know that um, we work very closely with the Edmonton Police Service. I, mm -hmm. I love the the EPS. Um, um, we do a ton of stuff with them, and there there is this idea of more boots on the ground, mm -hmm. right? Which I actually think could be beneficial. Mm -hmm. um, but I also know that more boots on the ground doesn't necessarily mean crime reduction. I believe that. A lot of those boots on the ground should actually be community members who are going to contribute to some solutions. Totally. Right? Yeah. I And same as you. Like, we work very closely with EPS. Obviously, we can't do what we do without EPS. Mm -hmm. We need a, a community where people feel safe and mm -hmm. where there's order. And uh, that's essential to a functioning economy and a functioning downtown. Um, but I had in my early, like in my <laughs> first year of this job, some of my most eye-opening days were days where I would do walkabouts with our, our downtown beat, beat officers. Because yeah. we were, from the beginning, one of the things I've been focused on is trying to advocate to EPS to get more officers back downtown. And when I walk around with the officers we do have, I start to understand 
why this is so not a complete solution. And I still hear it all the time. And, I, and I'm so compassionate to the business owners and the people who say, we need more boots on the ground. We need more police. I get it. But then I walk around with the police and their options are so limited. They're here for law enforcement, for um, investigation and prosecution post crimes being committed. They're not really designed for crime prevention. And I think they're doing more and more to try and change that. I think they're trying their new help program where they've, they're paired up with social workers yep. and they're they're really trying to address root issues. They're trying to do more follow-up with mm -hmm. folks who are repeat offenders. Like, I think they're trying to change what they do. But a beat officer, you could argue that they're Physical presence or visible presence is a deterrent. Yep. Totally agree with that. It's a deterrent that displaces. Yes, exactly. Right. And then when we've got a Chinatown business community that is incredibly frustrated, um, you know, residents sort of, you know, a few neighborhoods out that are also fed up with displacement, we're in this really difficult situation. Like I, you know, I'm responsible for my borders. And so I'm always advocating for downtown, but truly more boots on the ground. When I hear from an officer tell me, you know, they can pick someone up who's, you know, smoking meth in an LRT station and they can, um, you know, take them to an agency who's at capacity, who can't really do anything with them anyways. They can take them to housing intake. They're going to sit there for two hours. Plus that person's not in a situation Maybe on that two day days. to get into housing yep. anyways. No, even just to talk to someone in sure. two hours, right? Um, they can take them to the hospital if there is a medical issue, uh, wait for two hours, four hours, six hours, plus to two hours worth of paperwork only to have that person sedated and released a few hours later, mm -hmm. right back onto the streets. Mm -hmm. They can take them to jail mm -hmm. again to do two hours of paperwork only See, to have them essentially, released essentially and not prosecuted. What, essentially what you're talking about is, is I, I'll, I'll, to me, it's leading to this more police officers. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm all for that. But how about more community workers? Absolutely. They, and they're in the not. Down, and in the downtown yeah. corner, I'm going to fill this out too. And actually, it's too bad I'm saying this because I run a, a charity nonprofit. We don't get paid as much as police officers. That's absolutely true. And so it's actually cheaper. And most of the people that I've ever worked with in my career, we're not here to make a ton of money. We need mm -hmm. to live. Mm -hmm. A little extra would be nice. Mm -hmm. But we're here to help people. And, and I'm not saying the police aren't, but the police are not social workers no. and they're not youth workers. And I think that the best cops I've ever worked with have a full understanding that they're not social workers, yet they are police officers with compassion, mm -hmm. which I would suggest most police officers in this town. That's my Absolutely. opinion. Especially anyone who's signing up to do the downtown beat. Right. They have a, a massive amount of patience. So uh, all that being said, I do want to talk positive stuff. Yeah. Because yeah, let me just let me yeah. wrap up kind of where I was going. So that we know that we know that police are part of the solution, but really what they're they're hitting walls everywhere they turn. So yeah. these are systemic issues. These are crime prevention is really like you're saying, it's community well-being, it's having access to supports and services, yeah. it's having access to housing and getting in. The reason I'm such a huge advocate for youth housing, supports, care. You know, all the things that we know lead to healthier lives. That's well, if we, help, if we help them when they're 15 to 25, then we don't need to worry about them when they're 35 to 45 exactly. or 45 to 55. They're, exactly. Right? That yeah. is working with youth, working with families. Yeah. That is crime prevention. Prevention. Yes. So, yeah, like it's, it's, and I hate doing this because 
so many of my constituents or businesses, they need solutions tomorrow. But the true answer when I'm having these conversations is that these are massive multi-year problems. So the reason I think we're really important in the work that we do continues to be focused on vibrancy is that a, a, a busy downtown is a safe downtown. Yep. And so anything we can do to get people here, those are some of the most effective short-term solutions we have to make, you know, if you're, maybe there's someone who's making you a little uncomfortable, it's sort of like a sketchy person and your sketchy person ratio is one to 50 mm-hmm. as opposed to like one to one, that's a dramatically different feeling. Absolutely. So that's, you know, yeah. I, I remember um, when I was young, uh, you know, late teens, early twenties. And then uh, my wife and I got married and, you know, we'd come with friends. And then when we had our kids, we'd bring our kids. I used to love coming to like the street performers festival yeah. or taste of Edmonton or yes. those things. Those to me are the, the, the things that, really make downtown awesome absolutely so what are some of the other things that that this city um can do collectively because it's not just on you folks collectively that would be really scary because i don't have uh, the capacity right (laughs) so what what are some things that can happen or what are some things that you feel that we could do to really bring back this feeling that i actually believe i used to have even 15, 20 years ago when I'd come mm-hmm. down here. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked me that. Because I get, I do get really frustrated and discouraged with some of the like armchair quarterbacking that mm-hmm. happens out there. Like, oh yeah, downtown's a ghost town and I wouldn't bother going downtown. Either you care or you don't. Right. And if you don't care, then that's fine. Enjoy your neighborhood. And that's mm-hmm. everyone, especially with 15-minute cities, we could all just enjoy our own neighborhoods, sure. right? Sure, sure. Um, but if you do care and if you're complaining because you care, the single most valuable, effective thing you can do is to show up. Keep supporting your favorite businesses that are still here. Taste of Edmonton is back. Street Performance Festival is back. All of our festivals are back in full force. Um, Carrie West, our, our Caribbean festival yep. that happens downtown, had its busiest year by far oh, last bet. summer. Like Because the world opened up, right? And after people COVID, people are so eager. And that for is stuff an unbelievable do. festival. It is so much fun. They're yeah. all so much fun. So yeah. we do everything we can to support these festivals. We do some of our own. We do Downtown Dining Week in March. We do this new one called Downtown Spark at the end of May, where we hmm. put these like massive inflatable art installations up all over downtown. So this stuff is happening. And there's a lot of stuff in the winter as well. In the winter, yeah. yeah. You know, thank God we're coming out of it though. I yeah, say. of course. I'm, I'm ready for winter to be over. Yeah. But, there's, but the thing is, we yeah. are a winter city. Yes. And I know that the city and different groups within the city have worked hard to get different festival type things going in the city yes. and downtown so that we can still be outside and do these things. And hockey season at Rogers Place. Right. They've got their outdoor skating rink at which Ice District amazing, Plaza, yeah. which if you if anyone hasn't seen that yet, you've got to come downtown yeah. and see it. Like I walk around on my lunch break and people are just going for a skate yeah. in the middle of the day. Like yeah. there's there are some really magical that things That to me reminds too. me of City Hall, the pools, and you, you go there at lunchtime in the summer and all the little kids are swimming in there. It's the best. Right? Yeah. And their skating rink's been busy again too, actually. They, yeah. They're doing their skating rink too. Yeah. So having those activities for people to do, just know that it's here. Know that we need you downtown if you care. Like, I understand there's frustrations. People don't like seeing open drug use. Mm-hmm. People don't like seeing things, you know, I hate this term, but but social disorder. Um, there's some discomfort there. You've maybe heard stories that make you feel like it's dangerous. But the truth is there's a lot of us who either live here or work here five days a week or more. Like, 
there's a whole community here that's still here. There's, you know, I still represent 1,200 businesses and we're all still here. Right. Um, and this whole thing only works and we only get out of this if we all stay here and can keep doing this. So the, the really the most important thing Edmontonians can do is to be a little bit more positive about downtown while we fully accept and acknowledge we can all do that, what our issues are, know that we're not alone in those issues. Mm -hmm. Every city in North America is dealing with them and and a busy downtown is a safe downtown so the more you can show up to events and and businesses and just be that supportive voice and be a little bit of like a brand ambassador for us sure that is the single that's the one thing i could ask all edmontonians to do you talked you said something earlier that i found interesting because I, i've never kind of thought of this is what do you say Thirteen thousand residents roughly yeah compared to pre-covid 60 yeah. to seventy thousand people who would come downtown to work yeah what do you what should the ratio be i shouldn't say what should mm -hmm. you can't force people to do but what yeah. would be a good ratio like i'm assuming there's That's studies on this i'm yeah. assuming that major markets and some of them that maybe thrive a little more or it's maybe it's more safe it thrives more all this type of stuff there must be some sort of ratio of while there's there's, you know, if there's a hundred thousand people that are downtown every day, um, forty-seven thousand of them live there. Yeah, like, what does that look like? Yeah, I don't know what the numbers are, but I can tell you, like in the same area of our downtown where thirteen thousand people live, sixty thousand people live in that same area in downtown Vancouver. Okay. So, you know, when you walk around in a city that feels busy, no matter which street you turn down, there's people there, there's people around. You need, like, we need a massive. But, but that tells a story right there in the yeah. same square miles or kilometers or whatever yeah it's 13 to 60 yeah and i understand that vancouver has some very difficult areas in yep. their downtown area east hastings obviously i mean we just yep. had dean kirpioid on mm. who it, it works down there um but i know people my brother-in-law sister-in-law lived downtown for years and loved downtown vancouver mm -hmm. like people love it there well it's big right like it's and it feels big, different, in different i guess areas. it's on the ocean a lot of yeah. it's on the i get it uh, yeah. i get all that but i also believe what you're saying yeah is that there's more people and if there's more people, that means there's more community and there's more community being created. There's more opportunities to build community. There's more opportunities to have little, probably little mom and pop shops exactly. show up. Exactly. Different you have people cultural there to groups, serve. different yeah. cultural groups, all that type of stuff, totally. which I think could be amazing here. I, I remember, you know, going to Toronto, I've probably been there, I don't know, six, seven times. I'm not going to slag on Toronto. <laughs> um, but to me, uh, I just sometimes felt like it's just a big cement place. Their financial district, especially, right? Yeah. And their financial district is facing all of the same challenges. I bet. we are like they're because their big banks are not back in the office really at all. Right. So even like we're hitting on good days, we're hitting you know upwards of fifty percent occupancy in downtown Edmonton office right now, which is actually really good. Mm -hmm. Like I'm hearing from my colleagues, like downtown Vancouver is like. 30% is about as good as it gets. Fi Toronto Financial District, like 35% is about as good as it gets. So that every percentage point in terms of occupancy is more bodies being downtown. So um, this is a random thought I'm having. Again, scary. Do you, I wonder, a lot of people say, well, there's more hom homeless people downtown, which I'm assuming there is because I know that they do homeless counts and all that type of stuff. But I wonder if it's more visible. And it's actually, to me, more visible all over the city. Yeah, 100%. Everywhere. And crime is happening more all over the city. Right. And yeah. everywhere we're driving, mm 
mm-hmm. you know, you're seeing more homeless people like on on meridians and stuff, like way more than before. Yeah. But part of me goes, I wonder if it's more visible downtown because there's actually less people downtown. Where where possibly um, totally. homeless individuals kind of blended in a little more, or we didn't see them as much because there was more of a hustle bustle. Mm-hmm. Is that I don't know if that that's one hundred percent true. Sense. That's what I like. I said like if the ratio of like someone who you see who's clearly vulnerable and is maybe making you uncomfortable if they're high or something, if that's the only person you see, right. that is incredibly disconcerting. If sure, you're alone and it's, and, and it's, it's scary and it's it's all those things. Yeah. Versus if you see that one person, but there's there, you see that the ratio of that person to everyone else is, you know, one to 20, one to 50. You don't even notice it. Downtown right. Vancouver, you see folks sleeping on the sidewalk. Like that's like the lowest risk thing. Yeah. But even like someone who might be aggravated, like, but you're surrounded by people. So right. you don't feel unsafe. Right. So really that like, as much as we do need to address these issues, no one wants to see uh, these kinds of things happening in our community. We do need to address it. But when it comes to the safety equation, like so much of it is just, we need more people. When the yeah. teachers convention is happening, it's like <clears throat> 6,000 people walking around, not going to sessions. Right. Yeah. Thank goodness for the teachers. It's amazing. <laughs> no one feels unsafe on these two days when the teachers are downtown. How do we get more people down here then? Because I mean, uh, this is what we've yeah. talked about. We've talked yeah. about, we need more people down here. I love that you said like Edmontonians in general, mm-hmm. right? Maybe just, be a little bit more positive. And I like that you say that. Yeah. Just just a, just a little bit. That can help. But 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 how do we get more people down here? Um how do we get more people caring? And I don't expect you to have all the answers to these questions, so you know. But like how do we get people to care about this? Yeah, I mean, I hope people care. I think the reason people complain is because they care. Like we do love mm-hmm. our city and I hope people all over the city and region understand that our economy doesn't work. The whole thing doesn't work without a downtown. Right. We don't get to have major concert and events, concerts and events. We don't get to have an NHL team. Right. We don't get to have all the things that a city offers and an economic hub offers without a downtown. Like right. this is really essential to the yeah. whole thing. Like yeah. truly, if you're betting against Edmonton's downtown and you're saying you don't care, you're you're betting against our city. Interesting, yeah. Um, so I really hope that when people are complaining, it's because they care. I tell myself that. That makes me feel better about it when I'm getting yelled at. But I agree with you yeah. on that. Yeah. Right? I really do. And yeah. I also like how you say, if you're betting against downtown Edmonton, you're kind of betting against the city. Totally. Um, we, we can't expect everybody to suddenly, you know, pick up the flag and say, we're downtowners, we're moving there, or we're going to go support everything down there. But I, I, again, I'll reiterate, I like how you said, maybe let's be a little <laughs> bit more positive about it. Yeah, right. and just understand that at least showing up once in a while, mm-hmm. even though you recognize the issues, that that makes a big difference. There is a cool initiative coming up, I want to say... Um, April 20th, 21st? April 20th, 21st. Um, and truthfully, this episode will probably come out after that, I hate to say it. But uh, this, is a, this is something to me where every year, or there's probably... And actually, there's more of this going... That's going to be happening. I know there's a lot of people meeting right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked, uh, Darren Kemp is mm-hmm. a fellow that I've met um, who is very committed to helping uh, downtown uh, be cleaned up and become rejuvenated. And really, really good guy. And I know that there's a whole bunch more of those totally. people in the community. Yep. And so they are doing a huge kind of Earth Day idea, I think, right? Around yeah, Earth Day? huge downtown cleanup, which mm-hmm. is every bit as much about picking up 
garbage and litter and, and cleaning up parts of the river valley as it is about the spirit and right. just bringing people together, making everyone realize how much downtown has to offer, like coming together, feeling like there's something you can do tangibly. Yeah. So I'm so, I'm so happy that Darren's putting that effort in. We need more of that. Like yeah. showing up is the minimum, but anything you can think of to, to support and rally people together and, um, we talked about Winnipeg, downtown Winnipeg is doing a downtown spirit week mm. with all their offices across downtown Winnipeg. So I'm curious to hear how that goes. What, what, what's, what's that? I think they're just like getting every office to think of ways to show their downtown spirit and they'll all have You know what that is? Yeah. That's old school. Yeah. It's like a pep rally. It's right? like a pep rally. Yeah. It's like being in, it's like being, it's like a penny car- carnival in totally. elementary school. Totally. And why not go back to those types of ideas? Because they, they did work. Bring people together. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like to answer your question, like how do we get more people down here? I mean, that's what my team, that's what we spend every day trying to figure out. So mm. every time we're running an event, every time we're, you know, giving a grant to someone hosting an event, uh, we're working with businesses to get uh, more investments into their patios so we can mm. have bigger and better patios this yeah. season. Like anything we can do that that gets people excited about coming down, we're going yeah. we're going to keep trying. Well, we're going to get involved because uh, cuz um Darren, uh, he's part of a crew. Like yeah. there's a whole bunch of people that yeah. are working on that. I, I Darren is the only one I know. He's that's really what, the one leading the charge. Is he? Yeah. And so yeah. that's why I brought him up. But um, I made a commitment to him that that uh, we're actually not downtown. We're on the fringe of downtown. You can use services. But I said, we're coming. Like, let us know what you need, where to go. And, and our it. staff and our youth are going to show up. And, and I believe that um, we all need to be contributors to our communities that we live in. Um, and... Maybe you can't volunteer a lot. Maybe you maybe you can't move downtown. Maybe um, maybe you're not interested in the festivals that. But maybe you're able to pick up some garbage. Mm-hmm. So let's contribute. Or maybe yeah. you do want to come and go, come to these festivals. You haven't been for a while. Then come, do it, contribute. That's I'm just a big believer in that. In order for us to thrive, um, we we have to contribute. We're gonna wrap up soon. Talk to me a little bit about. Um, I loved how honest you were earlier about maybe you wouldn't have taken this job. <laughs> how relentless do you have to be to um, – you seem like a very positive person, optimistic. That to me takes a relentless attitude. What does that look like for you? Yeah, I think – I mean, when you first reached out to me and I saw that your your podcast was called Relentless, like, it struck a chord for sure. Because I think I, – yeah, I, you can't do this job without being relentless. Mm. Like, it's a lot of fighting negativity, um, you know, being determined that there is a light at the end of this tunnel and we just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Like, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of – my team and I keeping each other motivated and inspired, um, celebrating the wins. Every time we have a win, no matter how small, we have to celebrate it because otherwise you just, you're just slogging every day, right? So um, yeah, it's tough. It's sometimes I feel like people look at me like I'm delusional, like I'm like, you know, waving this flag that like other people just don't get. Um, but I really believe that it's, that figuring this out for the future of our downtown is essential to our city being the city I think we all want it to be. Mm-hmm. So, Which I think is key. The yeah. city we all want it to be. Yeah. Uh, n- no community is ever going to be perfect. 
Totally. And I think that if we have the attitude of let's try to make it what we want it to be, but that's all forever. Yeah. Everything needs to be getting better all the time. Growth, development, right? Totally. Um, Part of your job, I'm assuming, is I actually think it would be super hard because I'm assuming the down the Edmonton Downtown Business Association, you have how many businesses did you say are part of it? Uh, 11 to 1,200. 11 yeah. to 1,200. So I'm assuming that you are dealing with those businesses, some probably way more than others. Yeah, Some sure. you probably don't even hear from. Totally. Some that you hear from probably a lot. Yep. <laughs> and I'm assuming that that is not – it's kind of like when I'm at a grocery store um, and like I get this this checkout person or maybe some young person that helps me. I always try to – I'm going to – I know I'm making myself look super awesome here, but I kind of am. I, I – <laughs> I always make sure that if if they do something really well or or they they're just super respectful, they're super kind. Like I make sure I go and I tell somebody. Oh, that's or if cool. I'm at a Tim Hortons drive-through and and I you know I just because I think that managers. So I'm going to say that you're the 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 <laughs> manager, manager of, downtown. of downtown. Okay, <laughs> the same as like managing I don't know a restaurant. You hear all the the bitching in the morning and the complaining. Do you must get that a lot, but it's probably not just from businesses. It's probably from residents, and even like you said, residents that don't live here. Please tell me that do people do tell you good things though? Oh yeah, we have. I'm really lucky. Like my board is incredible. So my board is all business owners and business leaders downtown. Um, we have committees. Um, yeah, businesses we work with all the time, especially our restaurants. We work mm. really closely with because of dining week and so yeah. much other stuff. And restaurants and hospitality are such a huge part of vibrancy downtown. Um, and they're really lovely to us. Yeah. yeah. They, I mean, they, they have their frustrations. I personally just like, I'm kind of an empath. So like, I try not to take on their struggles. Right. Like that's one of the hardest things is like the stories I hear about, you know, they're all putting their, everything they have on the line every day, trying to keep these businesses afloat through COVID. So that's, that part's tough, but for the most part, they don't. They don't put that on us that, you know, they, sometimes they need to vent and sometimes we're the ones on the receiving yeah. end of that venting, but I'm happy to do it just to be that ear. And sometimes there is something I can do to help. Uh, I mean, it was just like a connection to someone at the city or, you know, whatever I can try and do, but um, we have a lot of community support. I have people who stop me on the street out of the blue and just say, thank you for everything you do downtown. That's complete awesome. strangers sometimes. That's so awesome. yeah, I can't, I can't say that it's all, all the doom and gloom. There's some really lovely people. in our community. I, I uh, asked a few people about you after <laughs> I found out about you. Um, uh, Darren was one of them and a few others. And listen, people just have the nicest, kindest, oh, sweetest things to say about you. That's so but nice. the, but the, but there's also a real level of respect. So it's one thing to talk, you know, all like fluffy, mm-hmm. but they really do talk about you um, in regards to you having integrity and oh. being just, they respect you for what you're doing. And I think also for your optimistic attitude and for, for being relentless in your, um, in your job of, of really wanting downtown to be the very best it can be for everybody, mm. right? So I think we'll end on that. Thank you for that. That's very kind. Of and um, thank you for being on the Relentless Podcast. Where can we find you on your social medias? Where can, are there websites for the association? All that yes, type of stuff. Yes, yes, please. Thank you for letting me plug. So um, Edmonton Downtown is where you can find it. So it's edmontondowntown.com. It's a little bit shortened on social. So it's Edmonton DTWN, Edmonton downtown on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get your, your social content. And then we have a full events calendar on our website. So any 
special concert that's happening, any business event that's happening. We try and, and round up everything on our websites. Mm -hmm. so if you're ever wondering what's happening downtown, edmontondowntown.com should have it. Yeah. Um, and then we've got roundups of like the best places to buy shoes downtown. Right. Like, you know, people always say there's nothing left. There's a lot of businesses left. Absolutely. So um, definitely check out our website if you're looking for things to support. That is fantastic. Thank you so much, Panita. And you know what? Um, for UCAN Youth Services, you can go to www.ucan.ca to get information on us and uh, different ways how you can support us as well. I, I feel like I've learned a lot today, and I think this has been a really good, rich conversation. And uh, I appreciate everything you're doing. I look forward to downtown being awesome. That's what I look forward to. Best wishes to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.